0: Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, Finding Private Fox, Where Have You Been? And I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube or Audio Burst, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And now, on with our show. The details of the first unknown from the Battle of Tarawa that was recovered and identified from an American cemetery are still shrouded in mystery. Over 75 years after the unknown went missing, and over two years after he was officially identified, Private First Class Jack Jr. Fox continues to await return home to his family for burial over two years after his identification was announced by the Department of Defense. While his remains sit in a cardboard box in Honolulu, the government agency that has him refuses to say exactly where he was found. This episode of No Home for Heroes is being recorded for for you today on May 4, 2019. PFC Jack Jr. Fox was identified as an unknown recovered from the Punchbowl Cemetery in 2017. I'm going to read you the official announcement from the Department of Defense from the actual agency, Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency, or DEPA. This announcement was provided to the media when PFC Fox's notice of identification was provided on April 4, 2017, over two years ago. The announcement read in part, Marine Corps Reserve Private First Class Jack J. Fox, unaccounted for from the World War II, has now been identified. In November 1943, Fox was assigned to Company L, 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, 2nd Marine Division, which landed against stiff Japanese resistance on the small island of Basio in the Tarawa Atoll of the Gilbert Islands, in an attempt to secure the island. Over several days of intense fighting at Tarawa, approximately 1,000 Marines and sailors were killed, and more than 2,000 were wounded, but the Japanese were virtually annihilated. Fox died sometime on the third day of battle, November 22, 1943. In November 1946, the 604th Quartermaster Graves Registration Company began disinterment to bring the remains to Oahu for identification at the Central Identification Library. In 1949 and 1950, the remains that could not be identified were interned in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, or the Punch Bowl, in Honolulu. In October 2016, a set of remains were exhumed from the Punch Bowl and sent to the Deepaw Laboratory for analysis. Laboratory analysis and circumstantial evidence were used in the identification of the remains. Interment services are pending. Again, that announcement was in April 2017. Here we are over two years later, and I still can't believe that that much time has passed since PFC Fox was identified, but we still don't officially know which of the 103 Terawa unknowns buried in the punch bowl was identified, as PFC Fox. Knowing the answer would not only tell us where Jack has been all these years since he disappeared, but equally important, knowing the answer would help other families of MIAs who may be a possible match to the unknown that was identified as Jack. To understand, well understand is really not the correct word, to be aware of why the details of Jack Jr. Fox's identification Have not been released, you must first know the DEPA internal policy that causes this shroud of mystery and all of this confusion. The Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency has a policy that states that no specific information will be released about a recovery and identification of an MIA until the family is fully and personally briefed by the Service Casualty Office handling the case. In PFC Fox's case, this would be the United States Marine Corps Service Casualty Office. On the surface, DPoS policy seems kind of reasonable, doesn't it? Shouldn't the family hear the details first before the rest of the world hears the details, including the media? Shouldn't the family know the information first and be given the facts of MIA's recovery? The answer to all of these questions, of course, is yes. But It's the application of the policy that is absurd and begs even more questions about dysfunctional management at DPOP. Questions like, why does it take two years to schedule a briefing? Why can't the family just be told over the telephone, via email, or even carrier pigeon that their MIA, their missing in action family member, was found to be unknown X number whatever? And that, The information can then be released so that other families can know about the circumstances where they might be a possible match to that same unknown. And there are other questions. If you take this stupid policy to its ultimate conclusion, you have to ask a final question. What if the family refuses to have a personal briefing for whatever reason? Or, God forbid the final family member of the MIA passes on. Does all of this mean that other families who never find out that their own MIA is not the unknown in question? And even worse, the identified MIA, such as PFC Fox, never receives a proper burial and stays stacked in a cardboard box on the shelf in the depot Laboratory in Hawaii? This is truly an example of no home for heroes. Being in a cardboard box is certainly no home for a hero. If you look under goofy governmental policies on Google, this one by Depo is probably cited as an example. If it's not, it certainly should be. And if you don't think obscure governmental policies have a personal side, well, let's talk a little bit about PFC Jack Jr. Fox. Jack was born in Flint, Michigan on 24 April 1920. His father was Jack G. Fox, and they lived at 2120 Nebraska Avenue in Flint. By the way, 2120 Nebraska Avenue is now a vacant lot in Flint, Michigan. Nearby schools include Mott High School, Mott Community College, Pierce School, and it's even close to the University of Michigan. The closest grocery stores today are Fresh Choice Marketplace, Max Food Fair and Groceries to Go. And if Jack were alive today, he might visit such shops as Tom's Coney Cafe, the Applewood Cafe, the Pallet Cafe, or maybe even Luigi's Restaurant. All this information probably has absolutely nothing to do with today's case, but it surely gives you a better realization that Jack Jr. Fox was and is a real person and not just the number of an unidentified serviceman buried as an unknown in a faraway land. If you live in Flint, Michigan, stop by 2120 Nebraska Avenue. We recommend that you get out of your car for just a few minutes and pay homage to a lost American hero who never got back home to that exact spot at 2120 Nebraska Avenue. Jack Jr. was short. Five foot five inches tall, and I think maybe he stretched that a little bit. He weighed a whopping 135 pounds. He had light brown hair, brown eyes, and a ruddy complexion. But his most remarkable physical feature was his keen eyesight. He had 2016 eyesight in one eye and 2019 in the other. When Jack enlisted in the Marine Corps in Detroit on 26 November 1942, He dutifully took out a $10,000 government life insurance policy to be sent home to his family in case he didn't make it through the war. Well, the family later got the $10,000, but they never got Jack Jr. He never came home. His closest family members all died with the same question. Jack, where are you? And where have you been? Now, here we are, Two years after Jack Jr. was officially announced as found, and we still have the same question. Jack, where are you? Where have you been? Well, today, the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation is going to answer that question, even if the government will not. At 11 a.m. on November 11, 2011, the case of Tarawa Unknown X-117 landed on my desk at the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command, or JPAC, where I was a member of the Department of Defense. My job, one of my jobs, was to investigate all of the Tarawa unknowns buried in the Punch Bowl Cemetery. Oddly, I remember noting that it was the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the 11th year in the new century. I guess I should have been working on Unknown's X-111 or Unknown X-211, but I actually had finished both of those cases four days earlier, and they were much tougher cases than what I found when I researched the case of X-117. Unknown X-117 was originally recovered from Cemetery Number 33 on Tarawa by the Army Graves Registration Service on 25 March 1946. The AGRIS Army Graves Registration Service personnel were unable to identify the body in the field, and the remains were shipped to the Army Central Identification Laboratory in Honolulu, Hawaii, where Dr. Mildred Trotter, a renowned anthropologist of her time, performed a forensic analysis on 28 June 1948. While I was at j I dutifully typed in Dr. Crotter's biometric analysis into my random instant statistical correlation system. The data sets included the following. Dr. Crotter determined that the race was, quote, probably white, end quote. That it was a male, 63.0 inches tall, and weighed between 130 and 135 pounds. Dr. Crotter estimated the age at 26 to 28 years. There were three skull photos in the file, including one noting that the skull circumference was 52.3 centimeters. The remains did not provide for sufficient information to determine either hair color or shoe size, but there was a very good dental chart. Dr. Trotter could not determine any wounds on the body, and her anthropological notation stated, a very short, muscular individual. The forehead is quite erect. The most outstanding facial feature, apparently, was a long, straight nose, with a slight hump at the bridge. Property found on the body included buckles from a musket bag strap. And as I mentioned earlier, X-117 presented an excellent dental profile for analysis. The skeleton of X-117. Was approximately 60% complete. Well, after I entered all of this data and even some more data that was in the file into the risk system, in a matter of seconds, my own custom-designed computerized risk system eliminated 485 potential missing-in-action matches from Tarawa as being X117. The risk system gave me a short list of possible and probable matches. On the short list was a private first class by the name of Jack Junior Fox. By the end of the day on the 11th day of the 11th month in the year 2011 the official investigative report on X117 with the list of missing matches including PFC Fox was written printed And submitted to the command structure at JPAC. Later, a member of the JPAC laboratory would assert that it was impossible to investigate a case in less than a year. And yes, I had done it in a day, actually, about a half a day. That same laboratory individual would state that my methods, including advocated DNA comparison technology, was, quote, voodoo science, end quote. Well, Luckily, Congress didn't buy that excuse, and j was ultimately disbanded less than three years after I resigned from my position, only to be replaced by DPA, the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency, with, as we have seen in today's episode, some equally absurd excuses and policies. Over the years, researchers and investigators of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation continued to investigate the case of unknown X-117. Eventually, the short list was narrowed down to only two most likely matches. PFC Jack Jr. Fox was one. The features noted by Dr. Trotter in 1948 gave rise to the fact that perhaps one other MIA from the Battle of Tarawa met those same biometric attributes. So we have another family who is waiting to learn if they are X117 or not. Our foundation's forensic dental review indicated that PFC Fox had an almost identical dental profile to that of unknown X117. Our new computerized cranial facial recognition program provided to us by Missing Person Link in Canada absolutely nailed PFC Fox as a match to the skull photo of unknown X-117. Of the original short list of matches with comparable photographs, only PFC Fox exhibited 10 out of the 12 facial characteristics noted by Dr. Trotter. Based on our experience, this was far above the average number of facial correlations that is normally seen regarding specific Tarawa unknowns. Using some really sophisticated investigative parlance, we call this a slam dunk. Well, our foundation has learned over the years that JPAC and its successor, DEPA, don't really care what we think, so we really don't go out of our way to send the Department of Defense information on our investigations unless they ask. Ironically, in the case of Unknown X117, the defense POW. MIA Accounting Agency actually asked us for our analysis. And we notified DEPA that there was a 99% probability that X117 was PFC Jack Jr. Fox. Well, in return for providing that information, we have heard absolutely nothing from DEPA about PFC Fox or unknown X117 other than the press release announcement. That we read earlier in this episode. Despite repeated requests for more information, the silence for Depa is deafening and this silence has now gone on for over two years. But we, and now you, know that PFC Fox has not been forgotten and we are confident that we can answer the family's question. Jack, where have you been? Well, from 22 March 1949 to 2 October 2016, PFC Jack Jr. Fox has lain at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific or the Punch Bowl in Section E, grave number 843 in Honolulu, Hawaii. A single word was inscribed on his headstone. That word was unknown. Today, PFC Jack Jr. Fox is stored in a cardboard box on a shelf in the storage room of the Deepaw Laboratory at Hickam Air Force Base in Honolulu, Hawaii. His remains are stacked with over a thousand boxes containing skeletons or other osseous remains of MIAs who the Deepaw Laboratory has not been able to identify. On the box is written in a black marker a sill which is Central Identification Laboratory, a SIL accession number. But Jack, you're more than a number to us. We want you to come home to Michigan. So there's a bunch of maybes to consider. First, hey, maybe we're wrong and Jack is not X117. There is less than a 1% chance of that outcome. Maybe. By the time you hear this podcast, d will have decided to announce that Jack is unknown X-117. And we can inform the other family that their hopes that their family member may be identified as X-117 can be given up. Maybe someone in Jack's family will hear this podcast and call their congressman or call their senator and demand that Jack be sent home. Maybe. A congressman or a senator will hear this podcast and, on their own, make the same demand of DEPAW. And maybe, just maybe, someone at DEPAW will hear this podcast and say, Oh my gosh, this is a really stupid policy. And we have let an American hero fall through the proverbial cracks of our own dysfunction. Let's make things right and admit that he is unknown X117 and send Jack home. Well, we invite you to check back with us from time to time and see if our Foundation's analysis that X117 is Private First Class Jack Jr. Fox is found to be correct. When, or if, Deepaw ever decides to release that information and remove him from the list of heroes who have no home. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production And we invite you to check out our other episodes. You can now subscribe to listen free on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday when we will post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American service women. As always we greatly appreciate your comments and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com Our next episode is titled The Fighting Fool from Bowie, Texas. Learn how a Marine told his buddy that he thought he would be a fighting fool if just given the chance. Learn how that thought proved to be exactly correct during a final Japanese bonsai charge on Tarawa. The self-proclaimed fighting fool fought heroically and and died defending his buddies, and then he went missing. You sure won't miss this one, because this is a case where one of our investigations needs your help. This is what we call an active case investigation. We need your help to locate his family, to tell them, to tell the family of the fighting fool, the results of our investigation, and our analysis of where he lies today. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that. Poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.